You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 109, covering A Matter of Time and New Ground. Friends, there's no guest this week, it's just me and Matt. Yeah, and you're gonna like it. it. Well, we're gonna do a show... And you're going to listen to it unless you stop. Mm. That's so, the most we I mean, can promise. I guess you could stop now. I wish you wouldn't because mm. we got a couple of good episodes to talk yeah. about. They're actually quite good. A lot of great stuff happened here. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some fun stuff. And uh, you know what's sad is I think I'm a little happier this week than I was when Spock showed up. Yeah. That's, uh, come on, man. What the hell happened, man? I don't know. But hey, there's no Sela here. That's true. Don't, don't bring your sailor here. There's no place for your sailor here, boy. Also, I realize that I usually uh, pl- do the plugs at the end, and I'm going to mix it up and do it right now. Oh, There's you nothing rebel. you can do about it. If you want to read our episode guide or check out our app, go to postatomichorror.com and click on the link. That's it. Yeah. That, that's the entire plug. It's fine. You're fine. We're all yes. fine. Now. I'm getting more comfortable with making people buy stuff. Yes. That's just a thing that uh, that I've started to do now. So soon I'm going to put on the Matthew Lesko question mark suit and yell at you about getting Amy Grant. I mean, I got meantime, you that I got you that question mark suit for a reason, and it definitely was not that. Did it have to do with the uh, Seventh Doctor? Was it the Seventh Doctor? Sixth Doctor? Whatever we eighth, covered in our eight, in our uh, eighth? No, not Seventh Doctor. No, you're right. I don't know. It, it wasn't the eighth because that guy was in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you want to hear about all this, listen to our crossover with Drunken Time Travel. Hey, there's another plug. Hey, you're on a roll tonight. Yes, I am. Uh, the first part has posted now. The second will post uh, near Christmas, uh, late December. I don't remember the exact date, but December 20th-ish, mm-hmm. something like that. And it'll be a good time because we love those guys and we, we have fun with them. Because we, we had a great time. We did. So I spent- logically... Yes. Logically, you will, too. Yeah. Because if there's anything I know, it's that people who have fun, everyone else around them is also having fun. Yes. If you're like us, and we know we are. Yes. We are more like us than we've ever been before. That's definitely true. And with that, Matt... Hey, I should probably start at some point, huh? Yeah. Hey, it's a title with your name in it. Ah, so it is. A Robotham of Time. Yes. (laughs) Please tell us about a Robotham of Time. (laughs) All right. While trying to save a planet from turning into ice, not freezing, but literally turning into ice, the Enterprise encounters Max Headroom, Moloch, or the dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, depending on which decade you were born in. Not Rick Moranis, the other dad. Right. Max tells him that he's from the future, and that in the future, the Enterprise crew is kind of a big deal. Well, we all secretly figured that, but it's always nice to hear from a woman. I mean, get confirmation. Uh, downstairs on the planet, Geordi's working with a jumpsuited Beardo in the hopes of saving the planet, and upstairs on the ship, Max is handing out flash drives full of questions for everyone to answer. Geordi's plan reaches a critical level, and Picard asks Max to tell him whether or not it'll actually work, but Max plays his shit all coy and refuses to spoil the surprise. Picard is understandably miffed, but goes along with Geordi's plan, sucking up a bunch of red shit with the Enterprise and then ejaculating it into the universe, presumably where it will be no trouble at all. To anyone with their own TV show, anyway. Max is preparing to beat Cheeks back to his own time when Picard and the crew show up for an unscheduled random locker check. Turns out a lot of future technology has gone missing. Also, Worf's knife, because everyone knows how advanced knife technology gets in the future. 
Max tells Picard he will only allow Data on board because they can delete his memory of incriminating future shit later. Data agrees. They enter Max's reverse TARDIS, somehow much more cramped on the inside, and Max pulls a, pulls a phaser. He tells Data that he's actually from the 22nd century. He stole the time machine from a crazy, wild-eyed scientist and a kid, <laughs> and then went into the future looking for shit to pretend to invent. Unfortunately, Data and Picard suspected all along and had all the future shut and had all the future stuff turned off. Knife included, I assume. Data marches Max off the time machine, and then it goes back to the future or whatever, and Max is sent to, I don't know, dime jail or whatever. Uh, two quick points. Yes. Uh, one, yes, it did suck up a bunch of red shit, but it also it ejaculated a bunch of blue shit. Oh, yes, good point. The, shit, the, the ship <laughs> made it blue. It <laughs> we need suck to, in we the need reds, to spit out the blue. this red stuff by about 80%, Captain. Right. <laughs> suck in the red, spit out the blue. <laughs> the other thing is, while, you know, obviously calling him Max Hedrum makes total sense because he was Max Hedrum. Yes. This is something that I've remembered always. It, it, when Trek trivia comes up, I just immediately rattle this name off. Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Yep. It's one of those stupid things I remember, like Galorndon Core, like um, Centurion Bakra. Yep. There's a handful of things about Next Gen that I just will always remember for no reason, and Berlinghoff Rasmussen is one of them. Yep. A, it's a great a name. A descendant of Sarcastic Voyage cast member Sabrina. Yeah, presumably, yes. yes. Uh, but as you say, now he's in time jail or something. Yeah, Actually, they, they dealt with him in one of the uh, uh, Temporal Investigations novels. Which I figured. Cool. Yeah. Partly because you told me earlier. Right. And partly because I told you earlier to that. Yes. So. And right. partly because you're always telling me things. I'm constantly telling you things. Mm -hmm. You should write, get a little notebook. I mean, I would, but then we have two podcasts. Most of the stuff you tell me gets recorded anyway. Well, that's a good point. It's not like you have access to these recordings. I mean, I, I assume I could get access. I suppose that's true. All right, why don't you tell us a good thing about this episode, Matt? Okay, I love Max's acting in this. Uh, yes. He spends much of the episode just running around, doing whatever the hell he feels like, being a weirdo. I get a real Doctor Who vibe off of him. And if I didn't know that this that he was a time con man, I would have figured this would have been the uh, their sort of second shot at a uh, Doctor Who crossover. Absolutely. He just wanders around the ship doing whatever he wants, mm -hmm. assuming that everyone will bend to his will, just like practically putting his feet up at the uh, at the conference table. He doesn't do that, but he does just sit in Riker's chair next to Picard. Yeah, just, hey, bu hey, buddy. Yeah, just uh, kind of like Q does, only he's not magic. He's just a guy. Yeah. Where he just kind of gets too close in people's personal space and just like, uh, yeah, I belong here. What of it? Yeah. I love that. I love Matt Frewer, and I can't think of any, like... He did Max Hedrum, which was, at best, a not very successful cult TV show. Sure. He was the voice of the Pink Panther during that brief period where the Pink Panther spoke. You guys all remember that, right? Uh, try not to, kid. Um, I, I can't really think of any high-profile thing that he's done, but I've always loved him when he yeah. pops up as a character actor. He's just so much fun. The last thing I saw him in was uh, Watchmen, like I said. Mm. Yeah, that was that was good, but again, it was a very small role. Yes. And he had, well, he had pointy ears, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I think he's fantastic, though. Mm -hmm. And he's got... We talked about this. You said Christopher Lloyd might be good in this role. And I said, no, nah, Christopher Lloyd's just slightly too manic. I mostly wanted Christopher Lloyd in this because I like the idea of Doc coming on board the Enterprise. Oh, absolutely. But... Oh, holodeck, huh? <laughs> oh, how quaint. <laughs> but I like the idea of... Um, Can you make me look slightly younger? <laughs> when I peel off this mask and look exactly the same, 
I but I do like the idea of a guy stealing a time machine and going forward in time. Yep. That was that was fun. Uh you bet they uh for a fancy ship from the future, Maddox's time machine sure does look like it was wallpapered in tinfoil, confetti, and streamers. <laughs> yeah. I'd almost buy it more if he was traveling around in an upside-down cardboard box. <laughs> I, it was supposed to be a futuristic ship that they couldn't detect things mm-hmm. from, and that's fine. But yeah, they could have maybe put a little more effort into that. I mean, there's this thing that... Star Trek's done this a couple of times. Like, on the rare chances that we see the far future, mm-hmm. it's always sort of, like, just sort of shiny and, like, no buttons. Bland? Yeah. You know? The thing is, I really like the idea of a, I think it was the 26th century where the ship came from. Yeah. I like the idea of there being sort of an arm of Starfleet that actually goes back in time and explores time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I can't, I don't remember, and we'll get there when we get to Enterprise eventually, but I think... They said basically the same thing that enterprise, you know, that eventually in the twenty whatever century, there's a there's a time, the Starfleet of time, mm-hmm. time fleet, I guess I don't know. After you spread your uh, smug future madness all across the universe, the only place to to go is back in time to tell everyone back there how great you were. Yeah. That was a fantastic element of this. He pulled that smug future man shit all over them. Yeah, unfortunately, about four years too late, but. But it was still nice to see them get their comeuppance yes. a little bit. Oh, oh that's so adorable. You're, you're still using communicators, huh? Wow. <laughs> yeah, you still have cute. fish, eh? Wow. I thought this book was on your desk. Huh. <laughs> uh, my good thing, okay, the acting from the entire crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, each of them reacts to him in a different way, and it's a great sort of litmus test of what they're like, how they are. Picard's got this delight. Yeah. Patrick Stewart plays it as like, wow, a guy from the future. I would love that job. And I, and I love, I love the fact that we're at a place in Star Trek now where it's completely feasible for a guy from the future to just show up. Sure. I mean, like, I know Next Gen doesn't do the time travel thing a whole lot. And I like that because I think it can be really overused. Yeah, absolutely, and it has been. Right. Um, but I, I feel like Next Gen, like, my memory of Next Gen is that it used time travel all the time, but I think we've only got, like, two or three yeah, times now. I think it's now. only been, like, what, yesterday's Enterprise? Yeah. And I think there's and another one besides was, this. Uh, there was Picard from Six Hours in the Future. Yes, okay. And I think there was one more. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but there haven't been that many. Like, we've had five seasons now, and we can name, like, three examples. But, I mean, like, you're at a point where time travel is just a fact of life. It happens. Right, right. We have people to deal with it. So the idea that a guy can't come... From the 26th century to visit yeah. with a crew that everyone's pretty pretty sure is 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 awesome. I mean, we don't talk about it at meetings, but yeah, you know, no, we're, we're look, pretty, we're on the Enterprise. Guys yeah. on the Enterprise matter. Yeah, they always Most do. Let, let's uh, let's hope history never forgets that name. Okay, <laughs> but everyone reacts a little differently. Picard is delighted. Yep. He's like, I really, you know, I really wish I had your job. That is great. Being able to go into the past and look at what happened. I mean, you can tell. And Riker's kind of okay with it, but he's a little skeptical. Beverly is, like, adorable. Yeah. Just, oh, my God. That's so cool. And at first I thought, oh, great. She's going to fall in love with him. But she doesn't. Nope. There's a flirty vibe where he's trying to flirt with her. And she's kind of like, yeah, you, you know, you're not supposed to. Uh, interfere with the past plus I could be your great great grandmother and then she just kind of leaves him hanging and walks out well he does lack that certain brainwave yeah the delta brainwave the delta brainwave I'm gonna hit every time travel uh, TV show I can think of tonight um 
Well, please don't say Quantum Leap because fuck you, Bacula. Yeah. Count Bacula. Yes, Count Bacula. I just, I like how each character, and of course, Worf immediately hates him. I'm not trusting no guy from the future. Right. I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy how everyone, and watching Picard gradually go from delighted to skeptical to, to annoyed. annoyed. And he's got that great speech. There's like a whole act mm. devoted to Picard's speech where he starts at, obviously, we have the prime directive and you must have something similar and yeah. you can't help us. And by the end of the speech, he's like, you got to help me. What the fuck? Yeah. No, I, I love, like, it says the, a lot about Picard, and it's actually, the, there's a bit of my quote here, so I mean, we can probably play that now. Yeah, let's do that. All right. You know, Professor, perhaps I don't give a damn about your past, because your past is my future, and as far as I'm concerned, it hasn't been written yet. No, there, this says a whole lot about Picard. Like, he starts off with just like, no, no, you're right, you're right. We don't want, I don't want you telling me anything, but if you mm -hmm. can give us a hint or something, just to make yeah. sure these people live... And by the end, he's like, I don't care. I will do whatever it yeah, takes to save these people's lives. Practically grabbing him by the lapels and say, fucking tell, come on! Yeah. No, I love, it. it's so Picard. But And the progression is so natural. Yeah. It's such a complete 180, but it feels so just, like, because it's written really well and because Patrick Stewart plays it so well, mm -hmm. he goes from one position completely to the op opposite position in maybe five minutes, and it's totally plausible. Yeah, it, it, you completely buy it. Right. It's fantastic. It uh, fantastic. My bad thing. Uh, well, it feels almost cheap at this point to make Troy my bad thing. I should almost call that off limits just because, you know, kind of like that season where we made ourselves say good things about Wesley. Yeah. It feels, well, obviously, Troy, but really. Might be something to think about for season six. When he, Well, because season six, she's got some good stuff. Oh, shit. Season six is when they make her put on a uniform. And then she starts taking her role as a bridge officer more seriously, and she gets okay. We'll have to see if that actually happens. I That is my memory anyway. And at some point, she takes a test to actually be a bridge officer so the crap that happened in Disaster doesn't happen again. <laughs> Which is nice. It um, took her a year to figure that out. Yeah. But I think that might be season seven. I think it took her two years. Oh, sucks, but anyway... She, when, when, uh, Berlinghoff Rasmussen first shows up, mm -hmm. never going to get sick of that name. What's that she, name again? I forgot. <laughs> she can't, like, I think he's untrustworthy, but I'm not sure. That's the best she can come up with the entire time. I'm sorry, honey. You're an empath. That means the one thing you can do is go, he's lying. Yeah. You got a fucking chrono drift or chrono grifter. Like, and he's not using any kind of anti-telepath technology. No, he's a human guy from the 22nd century who's a big liar and a thief. Yeah, there is no way you can't just detect that he's it's, he's lying. I mean, he's he's reaching onto tables and grabbing stuff and just stuffing it in his pocket. Yeah. Like, he's he's a bad shoplifter. Should have got Alexander's teacher to uh, catch him. Add spoilers. <laughs> and and yeah, you're right. He does take the knife. For no apparent reason. I like that. There's just a big pile of, like, random yeah. future props. Phasers and, and, and tricorders. Worf's knife. Well, maybe he wants to do some knifing around. I guess. That could be a thing. But Troy adds absolutely nothing. At best, she's just a little cold to him mm -hmm. when he's trying to get some information from her. Maybe he's even hitting on her. I can't tell. And she's just kind of a jerk. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, some of you are going to be jerks to him, but that doesn't... What are you doing? Yeah. Do you have an angle here? No, you're just fine. You know what? I don't care. The disaster on the planet below. Actually, a lot of the stuff on the planet below look quite good. Mm -hmm. 
they had the usual matte painting slash model of a planet in one city on a planet, but they had a snow effect. And it actually sort of covered up the fact that it looked exactly the same as all the other models. It, they did something a little different and it looked cool. Yeah. I and also, if, I, I also, Jordy has a moment on there where they're like, okay, well, you should come back so we can, you know, just in case this doesn't work. And he's basically just goes, no, I got work yeah. to do down here. We got science to finish. Yeah. I started this and I'm going to finish it. Yeah. I might die, but, uh, you know, hey. At least I'm I'll s- go out doing what I loved. Yeah. Science. Yeah. Doing my science to save people. Tell uh, me I love him. The planet has a new Seattle. Nice. That's all. It was It was just one of those, hey, I live there. Woo. That, that's all. <laughs> Go Seattle. When I saw the Simpsons movie in uh, in the movie theater, there's a bit where they're talking about uh, going through Seattle. And the entire theater just erupted into cheers. Like, really? Yes, that's where we're from. Good yep. show. Woo! Shut up. Yeah. The Simpsons are going to Seattle. <laughs> I, I like he shows up and I like that he says, um, oh, this is a very important mission. I have to observe you. It almost feels like, no, it's not. This is just the usual everyday. It feels like sort of commentary on this kind of episode. Yep. If you're going to show up, show up during Best of Both Worlds, show up during Redemption, not during, oh, we're going to save another planet from disaster again. It's like, well, I'm not going to show up during Best of Both Worlds. What if I get killed? Well, that's a good point. Your captain is all scary and shit. You also, you know, we always screen these together before the show. Mm-hmm. You said one of the funniest things I've ever heard you say in the scene you were just talking about where Jordy's still down on the planet. <laughs> and uh, you, you do your part. Picard says, Picard calls down and says, Jordy, are you okay? I'm blind! <laughs> I didn't hear the next minute or so of dialogue. That was great. I swear to God, if I was Jordy, I would never stop doing that. Every time. Every damn time. Uh, we have data. Going. I'm blind. <laughs> All right. Thanks for checking in. Still I blind. The forge. <laughs> Still blind. Good to know. You son of a bitch. Uh, we had uh, a scene with Data in his quarters, listening to like twelve tracks of classical music at the same time. That I actually fantastic. really like that too. Oh, I do too. That's I a like very that. Data thing. And listen, I'm ADD. I would love to be able to do that. Yep. I would love – I'm wasting time listening to one thing. I'd oh, love to God. listen to five at the same time. I'm, I'm not ADD, but the amount of times I've thought to myself, God, I wish I could read three books at once. Yeah. Or listen to three podcasts at once yep. or whatever. Fantastic. Uh, Picard name checks Khan. That's always cool. In his speech, he's like, yes, what if what if one of the people who's supposed to die down there becomes the next Hitler or Khan Singh? Like, ooh, Khan. Nice. Nice call, That's Picard. I, I just like that. I like little, you know. Uh, it's, it's that, uh, it's that his, you know, that Trek history thing. Yeah, they're doing a lot better job with it than they were. I think, I've said this before, I think after um, Naked Now, I think they were kind of scared. Yeah, which is understandable. Cause yeah, we fucked up. Shit. Let's just steer clear of the original series for yeah. a long time. But now they're just starting to say, you know what, this is the same universe. Let's, yeah. let's play around in no, it. No, I mean, at this point, they're like, you know, they're well, the, the, everyone's sort of adapted yeah, this show is its own voice. They're not worried about getting canceled. Right. And at this point, it's outlived the original series by quite a lot. Yep. They've gotten two more seasons so far. It's like, we've got all this history. We might as well use it. Yeah, exactly. And DS9 will expand that even further. Yeah, they will. Which I like. Because they rock. Yeah, they do. But, I mean, we're in a good period of next gen right now. Mm-hmm. We've had a solid run of episodes, and I know there's some really good ones still coming up. Yeah. So, you know, we can't really complain right now. Um, There's a great line where... um. As you said, um, Berlinghoff Rasmussen's uh, weapons have been disabled. Yep. 
and he's trying to leave the pod, and, and Data says, uh, or no, he's trying not to leave the pod. And Data says, I assume your handprint will activate this thing, whether you're conscious or not. I love that. Nice little line read from Data. Yeah. And it's, everybody's got, like, nice little character moments in this whether one. Whether it's attached to you or not. Right. Which is, I like when Data can be threatening, even yep. though he doesn't really change his tone. No, it's the same thing as when he does the, uh, like, the sad stuff. Right. Just the way he... The, the, the lack of emotion almost makes it more... Because like, you know he's supposed to be a certain way. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. And the only other note that I have here is that um, when he's being smug future man, he refers to Troy as Picard's empath, which I quite like. Just That is the most condescending way to, to describe her. I feel like that would be the name of like a 60s pulp novel. <laughs> Picard's empath. They called she her. She was a sexy lady that could sense people's thoughts. They called her. Picard's in path. <laughs> Rated R. <laughs> All right. Uh, any further business with this one? Um, I really enjoyed it. That was it was good. just a fun episode. There's really not a lot to delve into. No, and it's I mean, just... the plot itself was very, very basic. Yeah. I mean, their standard B plot is we're helping a planet that's in trouble, mm -hmm. which is fine. In, in a good episode where the A plot is really strong, the B plot is, eh, okay, that's fine. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, Q, was it? Oh, uh, De Deja Q. Deja Q, yeah, yeah. Where he shows up, and then at the same time, there's a planet that's in danger. Yeah. That's fine. The Enterprise is always doing that crap, and it doesn't really distract from the main plot. Yeah, it, it's not like he went back to witness them do something important so much as he went back to witness them have Wednesday. Right. Oh, look, Jordy's doing science. Troy's doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Good, and good. Typical day aboard Dole 1701D. But no, it's... Sometimes we talk a lot about an episode, and sometimes it's like, ah, this was fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all it was. It was yeah. just a lot of fun. Was, this was the first time that I ever noticed the little computer next to Troy's chair. Oh, no, it's been there. It's been there? Okay. Yeah. She's got a console that sort of swings in and out, kind of like the uh, the the con and ops consoles where it sort of swing. you know. Sure. You can, you can swing it in or not, and um, she does that occasionally. I don't know what she's doing. I'm looking busy. I, yeah. Here, her, I mean... Putting aside our constant complaints of her, her job doesn't involve a computer. No. Her job involves the well-being of the crew, the, you know, advising Picard, but she doesn't need a computer for any of that. And the Anne Troy is playing Galaga. Probably. She's hoping we didn't notice, but we did. <laughs> now I want to see Tony Stark as the captain of the Enterprise. That was wrong. Actually, I, then it would just be Captain Kirk. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically the same guy. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes, it would. Or those two meeting. Yes. And going out to bars womanizing. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Talented listeners, please draw that. Yes. Uh, and if you're Kim, please don't draw them, like, fellating each other. Kim, you can draw that. Uh, I'm right, pretty okay fine. with that. As long as it's, like, Chris Pine or young Shatner, but not Shatner as he is now. No. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's everything. All right. Good, that's solid episode. Yes, Good, absolutely. Solid no, I would say well above average. Yeah. Like like I say, a lot of fun. Yes. I like fun episodes when they're not terrible. Yeah. And this one was not terrible. Uh, right. A lot of that has to do with a good guest star. Yes. And he definitely was. He was, was great. great. I he, liked the, I, it was like we were saying, I like that guy, and I can never think of the things he's in, even no. though he's in everything. Yeah. And this show has a certain kind of guest star that works well and a certain kind that really doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like the uh, uh, Silicon Avatar, that guest star, just that lady was not. Oh my very god! Good. But on the other hand, this guy was. I mean, I'm they, kind of mad just... now that you made me remember her. Yeah, sorry. 
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> that I, episode basically just fell out of my brain. I was I was approached by more than one person whose opinion I respect and mm-hmm. said, I like that one. What's wrong with you? Really? Yeah. Huh. Like Gav, for one. Really? Ir- Irish Gavs. I like that one. What's wrong with you? Wow. And there was somebody else that I can't remember off the top of my head. It might have been Flonk or Brian or somebody. I don't remember. One but somebody guys. we have on the show a lot. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it was weird. Anyway, right. moving forward to New Ground. Yeah, tell us about New Ground, Al. I shall. Good. As a new day dawns on the Enterprise, Geordi is all woo-wee and yay science. Apparently they're going to be testing something called a soliton wave, which is a kind of wave made of solitons. Meanwhile, Worf gets a call from his mom. We've really come a long way on the show when a character can get a phone call from his immediate family and we're not bored to tears. Mrs. Wacky Gypsy Lady has decided that she and her husband have had enough of raising Worf's son, Adam Sandler, who is now just over two years old. So, naturally, he's four feet tall with the mannerisms and vocabulary of a third grader. Could be that Klingons grow faster than humans, or it could be some kind of rapid aging time anomaly bullshit. I wish I could say that this wasn't even a possibility, but just you wait till season seven. Oy. Anyway, the kid is really eating into his grandfather's reading all the technical manuals time, so they decide to send him back to his father on the Enterprise. Worf reluctantly, Worf reluctantly takes custody of young Adam Sandler and enrolls him in Miss Teacher's touchy-feely school of passive-aggressive accusation. <laughs> there he immediately disgraces Worf's family for three generations by stealing a small toy lizard, because apparently the kindergarten is in Dr. Nooney and Soong's lab. Worf yells at the kid, gives him a speech about honor and telling the truth and also honor, then returns to duty. But first he stops off at a replicator for a cup of coffee in an Alpha Quadrant's Greatest Dad mug, because, hey, he's earned it. Meanwhile, the science is happening. The soliton wave happens, waving solitons all over the place. Then a thing explodes and everyone is in deadly danger from solitons in waveform. Worf is shocked, shocked, to discover that Adam Sandler has continued to lie and steal at school, and also that he's on the list of suspects for that daring heist of Ten Forward from a couple of months back. <laughs> Using his advanced security guy skills, he determines that last thing seems pretty unlikely, but the other things probably did happen. So he does what any sensible parent would do. He smashes the celebratory coffee mug and begins making arrangements to send his kid to military school. Bogus! Worf has a long talk with Troy and... All right, I'll admit it. Deanna does a half-ass okay job at making him realize that two days of parenting might not be quite enough to qualify him for a coffee mug. This brings the counter for being useful in Season 5 to 1, which is twice as much as Seasons 3 and 4 combined. The Enterprise chases down that deadly danger deciding to solve the problem with that old standby, reversing the polarities. But wait! For some reason, the presence of anyone in the Lizard Lab is critical to the success of this mission. And wouldn't you know it, little Adam Sandler is in there. Worf's kid being in danger ten minutes before the episode over, thus testing their relationship and clumsily dovetailing with the deadly danger plot? What are the odds? Worf uses crazy mom strength to lift a steel girder that's been stuck to his kid's hard hat with crazy glue. Then he somehow decides that this sequence of events means that he should keep the boy on the Enterprise, for some reason. In a very tender moment, Adam Sandler looks into his dad's eyes and says, My name is Alexander, you jerk. Damn it, says Worf. I'm so bad at remembering kids' names. I know you're someone. <laughs> but who? You sprung from my loins, but I, just, I don't know. Adam Sandler, how would you like to be the new king of all children? I, I really just wanted to get that out of my system because watching the show back in the day, whenever he was a <laughs> Alexander, I would always hear Adam Sandler. Just... <laughs> so I'm done now. I won't. Would explain I won't that that fight he picked with Bob Barker. <laughs> the Price is Right, bitch. <laughs> That's the only Adam Sandler reference I know. So thank you for going to that one. You're welcome. Uh, I, you know, 
I've heard people say that uh, Alexander is not a good character, that they, they, you know, it's one of those, like, Cousin Oliver, let's bring a kid into the show things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is the, the actor who plays him, uh, Brian Bonsall, was was that character in Family Ties. No kidding. In, in the later seasons of Family Ties, I no, I think, no, Michael J. Fox was still there. Yeah. But as as the the show was sort of waning in popularity, they brought in a cute kid because that's what you do. That really was the thing to do for a while on TV. Yeah, and he was the cute kid. Huh. And I don't remember the character's name off the top of my head, but, you know, you, you had uh, Alex and Mallory and the other one, mm-hmm. and they were all teenagers, and then suddenly there's, like, this two-year-old. Because their parents apparently decided that having a baby at 50 was a good idea. Sure. But anyway... They, he's he's already done that, and he he comes on next gen, and some people are like, "Oh, great, there's a kid now." <laughs> Here comes this guy again. I like the kid. His acting is okay. Yeah, he's his, fine. His makeup is good. I love what he elicits from Worf. Yeah, and really, that's my good thing, which is Dorn's acting. He goes through so many different subtle grades of emotion in this, and we always see Worf scowling and yelling, but there's so much more to him. Yeah, it just doesn't come out that often. When you see his mom show up. And he's just got this little smile. That's he's all it just, is. He's genuinely pleased to see her. But it's like, oh, my mommy's here. And he's genuinely pleased to see his kid. He is. He's been ducking. He's, he's very disappointed in his kid later on. But there's that, too. There's that whole mix. And there's a great scene where Alexander's on the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Worf just found out he did something terrible. And then he's not in his quarters. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. i got to find the kid. He's on the holodeck. And he's doing something wrong. He's clearly not supposed to be there. Yeah. But Worf walks in, and he's in Worf's uh, uh, fighting simulation program. The yeah, one we've with, seen it a couple of times. Yeah, the one with Skeletor and all that. And it's it's still stupid, but it's a great callback to something we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And you see Alexander fighting the dumb Skeletor thing with his uh, with, with Worf's bat left. And Worf, <laughs> he's got the, meh. And he's got this great look on his face like, that's my boy. He even I'm, sort of does the, uh, go get him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Give him and the then, jab, Rock. And then he realizes, oh, I gotta be mad now. I, I gotta mean, be, uh, I gotta be bad cop now. I mean, uh, honor and, yeah. uh. But he's, I mean, and the concern that he plays when the kid's trapped. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, there's a, there's a great little speech at the end. And it seems a little corny, and I guess it kind of is. But he's like, Klingon schools can be very challenging. But I have a different challenge for you, and that's staying here and making this work. It's like, oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. I like their relationship, and I love, comedically, I love throwing Worf, <laughs> having to, uh, you know, throwing a kid at him and having having to deal with all the mundane, you know. We, we saw a bit of that here. He's got to go down to sick bay and deal with the kids, like, booster shots. <laughs> and he's got to go down to the kindergarten to, you know, sign some paperwork. You know, seeing Worf have to be domestic. I, I love him meeting with the uh, Miss Teacher. Yes. And she says, oh, it's nice to see you again. When has he been down there before? I had this idea where where they had, like, a career day, and they invited him down to give... <laughs> oh, this is a, the security officer? Yeah, and this is the ship security officer. Uh-huh. And it went very badly. He scared them all. Yes. But really, Dorn, he has so much lifting, emotional lifting to do here, and he nails it mm-hmm. every time. And it's so nice to see that Worf really has more than just, you know, angry guy. Yes. Angry honor man. Yeah. Angry honor man. <laughs> I, I, another thing, is Worf's name Worf Rajenko? I 
thought they, his, I thought his actual name was Worf son of just Worf son of Moog. I didn't think Klingons yeah, had last names. I didn't either. But Alexander is addressed as Alexander Alexander Rojenko, and Rojenko is Worf's parents' name. I guess that's true because I mean, like, they never address him as such ever. No. But if Alexander got the the last name, I wonder if Worf also has it and just doesn't use it. I don't know. It's, it's I don't really I don't really care, but it's kind of it kind of brought that up. I, don't I know. mean, like if nothing else, wouldn't Alexander have his mother's last name? I don't know that Kaylor would have had a last name. I don't know either. Actually, she's half human, so she yeah, might. that's what I was thinking. I don't know. I'd ask her, but you'd need a shovel to do that. <laughs> um, I love that joke. Yeah, me too. Um, and my bad thing is, well. There's a there's a lizard sort of a horror kind of a monstery thing that Alexander likes looking at in the uh, in the in the lab there. Yeah, there. There's a scene where they go to visit the lizard lab, as you were saying. Yeah, well, it's obviously Noonie and Soong's laboratory because yes. there's little toy dinosaurs everywhere. And uh, Alexander's up against the cage talking to this snake dude in parcel tongue, I assume. Yeah, and it's a it's a neat idea that the kid likes this little monster thing. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that they tried to do sort of a weird alien monster design, but it's just this terrible puppet. It, it, it's a really, really shitty hand puppet. Yeah. And, and then that's when too there's bad. a fire in the lab, uh, Riker rescues it. Oh, I love that. It's it's like the scene from uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure mm-hmm. where there's the fire at the pet store and he rescues the people and then he's got to go back in for the puppies and then he's got to go back in for the kitties. <laughs> and, like, Alexander, like, no, you got to save. And Morph's, uh, Riker's like, we don't have time for this. Save him. Oh, fine. Son of a bitch. Because Riker Sanders player piano. <laughs> Riker's such a nice guy, though. He's like, well, I'm going out empty-handed. All right, I'll save the lizard kid. Yeah. That's fine. I, I mean, was... that room was on fire as fuck. Yeah, it was. They opened up the door and a dragon breathes at them. Yeah, it was great. I like and okay, like I said in my summary, it's a little clumsy that okay, the final act. Of course, Worf's kid has to be directly yeah. in danger for everything to to come together. But on the other hand, it was a really nice scene for the two of them to go rescue him. And I mean, it's TV. I'd buy that kind of crap. Eh, it was a little too pat. But yeah, it was it was still nice. Uh, okay, so what about you? Good thing? All right, so I my good thing. I love, I love how angry Worf gets about find, when he finds out that Alexander's lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this big sticking point for him, and it's easily, like, it's super in character. Yep. Uh, it also shows he clearly knows absolutely jack shit about uh, Klingon politics. Oh yeah, Gowron's nothing but lying. Gowron's lying to the Klingon people now. Yes, about his role in the Civil War and Picard having nothing to do with it. Yep, that's the most recent example from last week. Yes, but I mean, they lie. He, he goes down to visit with Mrs. Teacher. Yeah, and she's listing off things he's been doing, and he's got this sort of proud look on his face, like, "Well, uh, you're not a deal picking with fights him. with the kids, huh? That's all right." Yeah, no Klingons do that. Yeah. Listen, clearly you don't what? know what you're doing. And then yeah. she's like, and he's been lying. He's like, what? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> you must be mistaken. Oh, no. Oh, man. I, I saw him steal the lizard. <laughs> and in a lesser episode, that whole extended exchange about the lizard would have been awful. Yep. But it was it was funny and also sort of serious at the same time, and, and it really worked. Mm-hmm. Like I say, Alexander... Should be a terrible idea, but I think he works. I, I mean, he was fine in this. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to sort of see where the character goes from here. My memory is that I, I can think of at least two episodes that he is in after this where he's good. I, he may have some terrible ones, but hey, yeah. who doesn't? The, the only ones I can think of are, uh, let's see, there was the Luxana one, which the Luxana one, and Fistful of Datas, mm-hmm. which is a fun episode. And now that I think about it, I think he had a 
fairly significant role in uh, uh, Rascals. Uh, he was there. Yeah. I wouldn't call it significant, but they just gave them another kid to hang out with. That I, But, I mean, he was probably in yeah. there, like, you know. Yeah, he was in, you to know. some amount. Despite my problems with that episode, he was all right in it. Mm. There is also one where he comes back from the future, blah, blah, blah. The thing I hinted at in my summary, which yeah. actually happened and is terrible, but... Look, season seven, man. Yeah. Well, and he also goes on to suck in uh, DS9. That I liked. Really? And we'll get that. Well, no, I didn't. I liked it because it was totally in character. Oh, the fact that he's just a bad Klingon? Yeah. I mean, I didn't didn't like him, but I liked to not like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like how you love to hate Kai Wynn. She's a great villain because you just can't stand her. Yeah. But um, Alexander, like, just watching now, Worf's trying his best. Mm Mm-hmm. But by the time he goes to Deep Space Nine after season seven of Next Gen, so he's really only tried two or three years. We I don't think we even know. He just ships his kid off somewhere. Yep. So at best, he's raised the kid for two or three years. He's always yelling at him about honor. And the kid tries really, really hard to be a good Klingon, and he just sucks. He's a he, failure. He's just terrible at it. Yeah, and that I totally buy that. Mm-hmm. When he shows up and he's serving on a Klingon ship, and he's like, Dad, are you proud of me? Like, no, you're terrible. I, that mean, just, I was hoping you'd be good at it. Yeah. No, I, the, the only thing, like, and this is a couple years off, so I'm not super worried about talking mm-hmm. about it quite yet, is that it, like, that that ends with him going back and serving on a Klingon ship, which I always thought was kind of awful because he hates it. Yeah. And the crew treats him like a joke that they use for a good luck charm. I, I don't know. I remember there being a good arc there, but we'll, I mean. I mean, yeah, we'll get to it. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. Yeah, and I don't remember. Right now, though, I I like to get, I do think we need to talk for a minute about the aging thing, though. Because, okay, fine. Suspension of disbelief. That's okay. And I really don't care. But I'm going to at least think about it for a second. Yeah. And, okay. Kaylar and Worf had sex in season two. Yes. She showed up in season three with a kid. With a kid who was already like, I mean, he was young, old enough to walk and but talk. He was walking and talking. Yeah, so he was a year old in real time, but already four, maybe. I'd say more like two. Mm, no, because he was three. making complete sentences. He was pretty tall. I mean, kids at two can speak complete sentences. I suppose that's true. But now he's four, mm-hmm. and he's in like what third grade? He seems, I would say, about third grade. Yeah, that was my guess. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's tall enough to be an eight or nine year old, I would say. And I guess Klingons age faster. I, I mean, don't know. I buy, I buy them being a race that ages faster. If just well, I mean, because we've we've seen the Vulcans can live planet. to two hundred, so obviously other races, you know, yeah. have different things going on. But I don't know. On the other hand, it's that TV thing of the baby was just born and now it's old enough to interact with as a real character. Yes. They just they want to skip that middle part where it's it's where just it's a, a prop. prop. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a prop and not really a character. Yeah. Uh, your bet thing? There's a phrase that's been in my head from this episode, and I don't know where it came from, <laughs> that goes, Alexander has dishonored his family by stealing a small lizard. That is the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, it, they didn't say it, man. They didn't say it. And that's my bad thing. It's that I'm not going back, <laughs> Jim, of the next gen era. It, it's the beam me up, Scotty. It's the, yeah, nobody, nobody ever said it. I'm also. I was also consistently disgusted by the alien dude's bizarre face. Yeah, the inventor of the soliton wave. He actually did not have like he had decent humanoid uh, alien makeup. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, sorry about your face. Yeah, sorry about your face, man. <laughs> Jesus. 
The, I, you know, I glossed over the soliton wave thing, but it was actually a cool idea. It was a cool idea. It just wasn't very important. It, it was a really sort well, of background thing to what it much, really happened. Much like the B-plot in the other episode. Yeah, okay, exactly. yeah, planet's in danger, fine. We're, we're focusing on the character stuff on the ship. Yeah. But it was a neat idea. The idea was that the planet would send out this, this pulse of energy, and a ship could ride the wave and go faster than warp. And you basically wouldn't need warp engines and dilithium crystals and all that. you just ride these waves. Just ride the walrus. Yes, wide the rollers. Right? Wide the rollers. Wide the rollers. Yes. It was a neat idea, and the only problem I had with it was they apparently... I mean, listen, I'm not a science guy, but I am aware of the basic concept that objects in motion will stay in motion. <laughs> and they were they seemed genuinely surprised that the wave kept going and was about to hit a planet. Yeah. Whoops. You didn't stop it, so yes, it's going to keep going. I assumed we could steer it. And listen, space is largely empty. You couldn't aim it someplace that there wasn't a planet right in its path. That yeah. seems like you were aiming for it. Mm -hmm. If it's that close that you're going to hit it the next day. I mean, it's pretty far away. We figured it would just move. Yeah. Well, they it's were trying to dissipate it. They were, they were trying to make it evaporate, and it didn't happen. But they must have thought that that might not happen, and maybe yeah. not pointed at a planet. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah, no, but I do like the I do like the concept of uh, no, it's a neat warp idea. Without what do they call it? warp without a warp engine? Yeah, no, not having to like not having to weigh down the ship mostly with engines, mm -hmm. not having to worry about matter antimatter like very dangerous stuff on the ship. Yep, basically just having the ship be a container for people and nothing else, mm -hmm. which is very cool. Uh, I love back to Worf. I love his. Like, I I mentioned the, the, you know, world's greatest dad mug. That's basically, he walked around for the third act just like, yeah, I'm basically the best dad ever. Yeah, I don't see what's so hard about fatherhood. I gave him one speech and everything's great now. Yep. He'll never disobey me again. I'm whatever the uh, Klingon version of Ward Cleaver is. Yep. And and then the teacher calls him in and says, nope, your kid's still being, wait, what? <laughs> How is this but, still happening? But, but has he seen my mug? Listen, I told him, like, huh? I told him about Collis. And that's actually that actually leads me right into my quote here, which right, is, um, it, it's weird because I'm pretty sure I've heard Worf say Kalis before. I just assume he forgot how to pronounce it. Well, the kid says it first. Mm -hmm. And I figure, I figured Worf in the scene was trying to say it to not make the kid feel like, look, I'm not correcting you right now. This is important. Yeah. Yes. Collis. Sure. But he gives this, he points at this really cool statue he's got in his quarters, and he says this. Do you know who they are? Collis? And his brother Moroth. They fought for 12 days and 12 nights because Moroth had broken his word and brought shame to his family. And I just, I love, it was a great moment where, uh, for all Alexander's problems and all his acting out, it seems like he really wants to impress his dad. Yep. He doesn't really resist the Klingon stuff. I mean, he will later. But right now he wants to, you know, he wants to be into it. And that moment where he's explaining it, it's not like the kid's rolling his eyes or I don't care. He's no, like, just tell me about Collis. Yeah, this is cool, Dad. I like this. this listen, is... listen, we, we come from a pretty metal planet, all right? Yeah. I'm going to show you how to throw up the horns, all right? <laughs> But I, I really enjoy that scene just as a, you know, fire as a, as a nice look into Klingon culture, as a nice sort of fleshing them out, but yeah. also just as a nice look. This is what we're into, and the, this is our religion. Mm -hmm. 
we believe in this. All right. Then check out this cool statue that Matt wants. Right. Yeah. Now, well, I guarantee someone has made that statue. Oh, totally. If if it's not official Star Trek merch from CBS or Paramount or whatever, yeah. it's probably on Etsy somewhere. To Etsy. <laughs> no, we have a show to do. Stop <laughs> stop going to Etsy. We're recording. Okay, I couldn't find the statue, but I did find a dead squirrel that's dressed like Captain Kirk, so. Well, that's pretty good. That'll look good on my toilet tank, too. <laughs> and then you, uh, while you're hanging it up, you slip and hit your head and invent the soliton wave. <laughs> I mean, it'll be a great idea when we all figure out how to get into space. Yeah. You, you just make your bosses angry with you. There you go. <laughs> and they shoot you into space. <laughs> That's really it. Uh, I'd actually a... rather just watch the movies. That sounds like a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. Free rent, go. make fun of movies. Robot friends. Robots. Yeah. Well, sounds good to me. And if you ever want to leave, just energy. find the box marked Hamdingers. Yeah. You're fine. Man, nobody likes Hamdingers. Nope. I will give Troy... Like I said, I will give her credit. Mm -hmm. She helped. There's a there's a scene. Like I said, Worf's walking around all smug, like, I'm a great dad. And he's like, fuck it, you're going to military school. And Troy's like, um, maybe it takes more than a day to be a great dad. Uh, just a point. Uh, you yeah. know, just something to think about. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe, maybe you don't know what you're doing yet, and maybe you need to learn. No, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing. No, well, uh, maybe it's hard. Huh. <laughs> All right. Fathership, the easiest job in the world. <laughs> Single parenting. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I think of things that are easy to do, that's top of the list. Yep. Being single a single parenting. parent. Listen, my mom raised me, like, uh, before she married my stepdad, she raised me by herself for a while, and yep. I, I just assumed she had lots of fun all the time. Oh, yeah. No, dirt simple. Plenty of free time. And just, you know, it's <laughs> Right it's under childbirth in the list of easy things to do. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what everyone complains about. This is great. <laughs> hey, he didn't do what I said. What the hell? <laughs> Usually just intimidate people with my loud voice. I thought kids were these little things that just did what you told them to all the time. No, they that was just... raised themselves, right? That was just Wesley because he wore a uniform and took your orders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Most kids... Ooh. Oh, right. <laughs> um... Oh, damn it. I forgot in my summary to mention that Alexander kept breaking uh, his grandparents' cow lamp. <laughs> they thanked Alexander. him for that. Yeah. Thanks for breaking my cow lamp. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that anyway. And my technical manuals. <laughs> That's for you, Flonk. Uh, anything hey, else? I hate that freaking Klingon. <laughs> anything um, else? Um, no, I think that's it. I enjoyed the scene where Worf's talking to Picard about serious stuff and people keep calling him about Alexander. Yeah, and it's also, it's a great Picard moment because it's like, go, go do, yeah, look, see, you got a kid, go, go deal with it. I know it's a big deal. Yeah. That is look, totally not something we would have seen from season one Picard. No, listen, I had that whole thing in the elevator a few weeks ago. It, it, it's fine now. I get it. To, look, the kids are all right, okay? I mean, I'm Remember not ready that to... Offspring song? Oh, that's not an Offspring. What the hell's wrong with you? Really? Yeah, it's a cover. Oh. Who did, who did it originally? I believe it was The Who. No kidding. I believe so. Wow, I, I even like The Who. I just, I feel like, okay, I'm not ready to have kids yet, but uh, I, I get what they're about now. It's cool. It's fine. Yeah, it's all good. I got that I got that little girl, that number one. She's great. <laughs> Hello, Marissa. <laughs> He's on his little toy phone. <laughs> and well, I uh, he... like this Flintstones phone. I call the Flintstone phone. <laughs> I'm calling the 
past. I feel like um, what did you do today? I feel like uh, the the uh, executive in charge of radishes is just sitting by his phone and it never rings. <laughs> Poor kid. No, not at all. Anything son, further, there's a, son? There's a radish problem. We need you now. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe if they'd gone into season eight, they would have uh, they would have encountered some kind of a sentient radish. That seems about Braga's uh, speed. Well, we'll have to we'll have to watch the uh, Twitter the season eight Twitter account and see if it shows up. Could be, because then that that's his his moment to shine. Yep. I think overall, I think one of the things I pointed out when we were watching this season five really seems to be the season where they're adding characters and really fleshing out the extended cast. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I like. now that we have all of our guys, you know. Yeah. We can sort of spread out a bit and, you know, see who else is out there. Well, I mean, we've had Chief O'Brien all along. Yep. And now, as much as we hate Keiko, she is a regular character. Yep. We have an extended character there. But, I mean, at this point, we're probably we're probably getting towards the beginnings of DS9. We are. Like, the idea of O'Brien getting a spinoff is being discussed at this point. Yeah, no, it's, it's almost ready to go, actually. Yeah. I believe it started mid season six, but they must have been, they must have had I mean, that prep had to be at least a year in advance. Yeah. Probably more. But I mean, we've we've had O'Brien since forever. He's got his horrible wife. We had Ensign Rowe. Mm -hmm. We have like we have all these semi you know recurring characters. Even Barkley, he only shows up once a year. But I mean, we're you know we're getting these characters that'll be in the background or show up every now and then. And I like that. I like the the more full the ship feels, the more I like it. The more it feels like a a, a real place where people live and not just the seven people we're following, which (laughs) I like. Not just the bridge with random people on it. Right. Well, the bridge and Guinan, basically. Yes. Now there's more to it, which I like. Uh, but that's basically it. Yeah. I mean, I quite enjoyed both of these. Yeah, no, they're, they're, this is a pretty good lineup. Yes, absolutely. So next week we will be guestless again, and we will be covering, let's see, Hero Worship and... Hero Worship I quite like, I remember that. That's the data one. Yes. yes. And okay. Violations, which may once again be the chair on the holodeck episode. I don't even know anymore. I know it's coming, mm-hmm. and I know I hate it. But there's so many stupid abduction episodes that it, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Stolen away in their sleep. Some kind of power of dream magic bullshit turning into stuff. Ah! ah. Damn it, George! Flavo. I, can, I know you can hear me, Gene, from beyond the grave. <laughs> yeah, last week was respectful. Now we're back to that again. Yeah. Uh, I feel better now. Yeah. So that is all. We will be back next week. And uh, Matt, say your thing. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.